You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. (laughs) I will do nothing but say that all night. (laughs) Uh, Alan Seiler. I don't have anything to follow that up, so I'll just say (laughs) hello. And Veronica Daschle. Hi. So let's get started talking about Star Trek, the animated series. Uh, I mean, who wants to kick it off? Veronica, you you probably have seen this, like, you're newer to the animated series than we are. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Like, I was, I still haven't seen all the episodes. No. (laughs) So, Veronica, you didn't see it in first release? No. (laughs) She wasn't alive. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Come on. I I guess I'm the only one who did. (laughs) I did. I just don't. I don't remember much about it from then. I know it from my rewatches mm-hmm. and I know that I saw some of it, you know, at least some of it when it first aired. Right. But, you know, I don't remember. I don't have any recall from that. Ah, okay. So Miss Veronica, what'd you think? It's, some of the episodes were really, really good. And some of them were like, why are we doing this? None of this <laughs> makes sense. Like even less sense than Star Trek sometimes makes. Mm. So it was it was a little bit of a, a mixed bag. Okay. I really enjoyed the alien aliens that they were mm-hmm. able to do in the animated series that they can't do as much in live action, except for now when they're using CGI and just changing people in rubber suits to CGI. <laughs> um but that's not a good conversation. And I liked all the different ships. Yeah. All the different ships were fun. Yeah, that's some of the, well, the great, one of the great things about the animated series was that you see more Starfleet ships, more alien ships, more yeah. alien aliens, more alien planets. Like the yeah. they they really use the animation uh, format uh, to their advantage, you know, mm-hmm. to build out the world of Star Trek from what we saw on the show. Yeah, in in lots and lots of ways. It's, I mean, it's all of that, just like you said. But they also do very different things with like the 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 starfleet characters you know like you don't have to have spacesuits anymore you have personal force fields yeah. and yes. the the bridge has its own armaments in you know installed in the ceiling i mean they do so many things that never did or never could have been done on the original series mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm still impressed we were just watching a few episodes this week um I mean, just still impressed with how Star Trek it is. Like they really t- were trying to tell real science fiction stories. Very much so. And I mean, there's a lot. There was a lot of 1970s cartoons based on 1960s TV shows that are very hit and miss. Mm-hmm. I and mean, the example I've used before is that there was a pilot for a Lost in Space oh, cartoon. Gosh. Don't and even. It's Jonathan Harris as Dr. Smith and then a different robot and different Robinsons and a different spaceship. It's not Lost in Space. It isn't. You know, but, I mean, but then Star Trek neither, could have gone that way. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, we're, we're lucky it wasn't like Mr. Spock and some kids and a dog. You know, <laughs> they, they could have done the Saturday morning cartoon thing with us. That's true. But instead, That's you've true. got the, the, 
the bridge crew. You've got the Enterprise. It, it looks like the Enterprise. The Klingons look like the They got Stanley Adams back. They got Mark Leonard back. I mean, it's really impressive. Yeah. Well, you're not wrong because, as you say, it was a Saturday morning cartoon. It wasn't even just a cartoon because there were some primetime cartoons back in the day, such mm. as the Flintstones. And even Goofy Batman, the TV series, was a primetime television show. But this was a Saturday morning cartoon. And mm -hmm. if you look at Lost in Space, like you were just saying, the original Lost in Space series, which for my money, in its first season, is one of the greatest science fiction shows I've ever seen on television. In its right. first season. And then it ended with Dr. Smith turned to a giant carrot. So <laughs> he wasn't turned into the carrot. The carrot was Stanley Adams. Thank you. Oh, well, what was Smith? Thank oh, Smith you. was a, Smith was a great bite. Okay, forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember one episode of the Lost in Space, the robot was put into an incinerator. He didn't get incinerated because the power of love prevented him from being melted down. So you are right. Star Trek that could have gone that way. Um, I watched. It kind of is I, now. The power of yeah, love saved them a lot. <laughs> I watched probably eighty percent of them in the last few days. The ones I yeah. didn't watch, I've seen enough times that I didn't need right. to see them again. And to you guys' point, it. I was, and I. I have a really good memory of many of them. It's much more mature and adult than even I remember. I mean, they mm. talk about you know, killing people. They talk about at one point. They talk about a body, and I'm thinking. Now I watched this when this premiered. Uh, I was old enough. I was, well, several, several years old. I was old enough to watch it when it premiered back in uh, 73. And I'm amazed that they got what through what they got through at that time. And people say it was a kid's show. I don't think it was a kid's show. I don't really think it was ever mm -hmm. intended to be a kid's show. No, it was 100% seasons four and five of right. Star Trek, of the original series, but in half hour episodes instead of hour episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the the quality of writing, the caliber of writer that they mm -hmm. got, the full cast, the yeah. types of stories that they were telling was definitely not in line with the tone of Saturday morning cartoons. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, it's a uh, it's a remarkable show and it's a remarkable achievement. All that they achieved with that show in that format and using a new platform animation to do mm -hmm. things that they didn't have the opportunity to do. It's like, it's like they all sat back and said, what would we like to have done with the original <laughs> series? Let's do it here. Right. Yeah. And like they yeah. ticked off boxes of things and they're like aliens that don't look like people in a suit. Let's do it. Uh -huh. yeah. Right. Yeah. And there are some really great ones. Um, I mean, I, Frank, you laughed at them, but I really like the aliens and I have the beholder. Oh, the, love the one with, with, the, with the prehensile trunks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They are great. I, I like, like when they laugh. They're very funny looking. <laughs> yeah. Stop well, they have those big eyes and then they laugh. They did that little weird shudder thing and Spock said, <laughs> well, they're laughing at them. <laughs> well, guess what, Veronica? They think you're funny looking too. <laughs> yeah. Put I'm you sure. in a zoo. <laughs> Probably. Why is it her nose prehensile? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised the lower decks had at some point those guys are going to be on lower decks. Oh, They've they got have it. to. Oh. So they, yeah. what, the, the, the bird guy in one of the episodes, was it char the score char yeah. the score? Yeah. So when I first you? saw him, he reminded me of those, those birds in the, um, the one that fell in love with peanut hamper. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. That was very much inspired by that. I mean, that's not a coincidence. Sure. But yeah. But Even they, their personality seemed a lot like that. Yeah. Well, they've had, that was a different species, but they've had that species in background scenes as well on Lower Decks. Like a lot of um, animated series characters have shown up on Lower Decks, uh, which yeah. I love. I love the Vendorian and, you yeah, know, the, yeah. the Bim species. What was yes. Bim species called? Um, I, at any rate, I, I love when they do that because that's a perfect way to tip the hat from Lower Decks back to the original animated series. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that show obviously does a great job of hat tipping mm-hmm. to every show, but right. not every other show could have done that same kind of tip of the hat to the animated series. Right. Lower yeah. Decks is the one that I'm so glad that they embraced Mm-hmm. You know, just that whole thing and and have made so many references and brought in so many characters and stuff. It's been right. amazing. Yeah, we were we were rewatching the jihad this week. Mm. And what a what Watch a cool today. episode when they're like they're like on the quest and they're like that could be a yes. season based around that premise. Oh, I, I agree. I totally yeah. agree with that. And all yeah. the races were very interesting too. Uh, yeah, a lot of really like I, I could have watched that like for multiple episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a Lord of the Rings kind of a thing where they're, <laughs> you know, they're on this quest together and all these different species from different planets and a couple of Starfleet officers. I think I thought it was great. Yeah, that I was mean, one of the ones that was a a, a miss for me. I I think maybe it would have worked better for me if it had been character developing. Yeah, because it was just like, I like you, Kirk. Let's have do let's do things. And Kirk's like, no, no. <laughs> You're talking about the lady. No. Yes. Okay. And it was she really was weird cool. because it was very clearly Chapel. It was like, not I don't know. I don't think I don't think that was Major Barrett really? doing her voice. It I think she's like one of the well, almost all the women are Major Barrett who does an okay <laughs> job, but bless, rest her soul, Nichelle Nichols doesn't do a very because I look here, can it sound like this? You can always hear. It's Michelle Nichols and she's doing the voices. Yeah. And of course, James Duhon does like 10,000 voices on this. Yeah. Well, he yeah. does like five voices, but he does them 10,000 exactly. times. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because everything sounds like this, whether it's Stavos Caniculus or Kukukon, they all right. sound like this. And George um, Decay has a very distinctive voice as well. You can yes. always tell when it's George yes. Decay. I think it's cool, though. I mean, they've got them in the studio. Let them. Yeah. Play some different characters. That, that doesn't bother me so much. It's very noticeable, but it doesn't bother me too much that they play all here's, characters. Here's an interesting thing. Okay. Major Barrett was not in that episode at all. Yeah. It was a lady called Jane Webb who did all the women characters. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is fascinating. What I found, yeah. I think, I think what's what's interesting. I think what's really good about the about the film about the animated series. I, I see so many people. I guess younger people or people who grew up on TNG and the Abrams first. I, I see a lot of people say they can't watch the original series or the or the animated series because they just have poor production value. Um, and of course, I grew up watching Planet Nine from Outer Space and the original thing. So that stuff doesn't matter to me. But it really, as you guys are saying, it reminds you that, of course, you want good production value, but what you really want is good writing and good stories. Mm -hmm. And the thing that actually makes me more frustrated, it's not the fact that the Kazanthia are wearing pink suits or the fact that Sulu keeps swapping for Eric's or Kirk sometimes. It's that so many of these episodes, I'm going, man, this needed an hour treatment. Uh, like mm-hmm. you were saying, jihad is phenomenal. How sharper than a serpent's tooth is phenomenal. And I just think, man, they needed an hour to develop. This is a great story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a compliment. Jihad could be a season arc mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Discovery, 
where you would have time to do all that character development that yeah. Veronica is looking for and have time to tell a longer and more detailed story. And mm-hmm. it may have ended up being more interesting than some of the stuff they've done, like the, you know, yeah. Red Angel. We're not, enough of that, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because that that race, that's a race that would stand with someone like the the Jem'Hadar, the Klingons at their worst. Um, that fabled mm-hmm. race we've never seen called the Herc that, yep. um, that attached to Klingons. Uh, and sometimes I get chuckles because I, uh, I've listened to a lot of interviews with people who did the show. And one thing they tell you is this and that there was one take and one take that was kind of in the story. And it's pretty obvious. Yeah. You, do, yeah. you do a take and you move on. So sometimes some of the writing, you can tell they didn't get the polish, for example. And speaking about that, that warrior race in the jihad, Spock says in two years, they would be able to produce 200 billion warriors. Like, well, I know they're prolific, but dang, that's a whole lot of people. <laughs> Just little yeah. things like that. But it's such a good episode. I'd love to see those people again. Um, something else I thought about was interesting about the original special so is they give women a lot more, mm-hmm. a lot more, you know, front and center. Uhura takes over the ship and the Lorelei signal. That's pretty cool. Um, you Let's not Anna. say she takes over the ship. That sounds so aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she doesn't. She takes like command. She there comments. you go. Yeah, she takes command, <laughs> and then you have the secu- the the security um, chief uh, or, mm-hmm. or high ranking security woman who, but unfortunately, she kind of does the woman thing when she runs off with the Carter Winston dude. But it was kind of cool to see the female security guard. Um, so there was a lot of things like that I thought was very interesting about the show. And then of course, Walking Bear. You know, mm. sharpening the serpent's tooth. That was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you talk about they had to do like one take. A lot of these, um, I mean, the actors were recording it at whatever studio was nearby or in a tape recorder yeah. and sending their stuff in. So it's all assembled from di- yeah. you know different places in the country and things like that. And you could tell a lot of the yeah. times. And sometimes, you know, they it seems like the actors weren't 100% clear on the dialogue. There's a, a line that Shatner has where he says, he's talking to Uhura and he's like, get me Starfleet Lieutenant. And yes, there's a comma <laughs> in there, you know, but they, yes. things like that. But I mean, they were making this show. I mean, it wasn't now where you the director can coach you over Zoom as you're recording right. from your home. You know, it was they, they send you the script and you go stop by a recording studio and record it and they and send the tape back. Yeah. But also, yeah. this is a time you talk about the animation. This is a time when a lot of animation was being shipped overseas. Mm-hmm, a lot of right. those animator jobs were leaving because it's so much cheaper overseas. And even today, a lot of animation is done. Mm-hmm overseas even by american companies and you'll have the animators in hong kong or, or india or someplace like that because they can do it cheaper there mm-hmm. but i mean filmation did a great job i think of keeping jobs here they had to cut other corners to make their budgets but i mean i i, I think it's cool to keep an, an the animation and animators thriving in the u.s yeah yeah filmation was known for producing really really kind of budget shows and many mm-hmm. of the shows the animation for the frame rate is lower um, they keep using the exact same cell over and over. But then again, growing up, that's what you remember. You'd see the, something like the Flintstones, and he would run, Fred or somebody would run through the house, and the same lamp would go by like ten times. I mean, right? It's just what you did. But Filmation was known for doing stuff like that, and they did some really good shows too. But they also, yeah, they did a lot of cut rate. And I saw things like sometimes you see the Enterprise going by, and you can tell that the cells were literally dirty. There's one episode yeah. where I can I can literally see a human hair stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's from the the optical printer. Anything that gets in between is going right along with the Enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, but I think all things considered, they did get you. And, and it was such a, as you were saying, Charles, I remember there was one, there's a couple of episodes, because William Shatner has always worked, 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 worked. That's right. always been, he was like doing a play or something in New York City, and they would just send him some stuff, and he would literally just try to do it in his hotel room. Mm-hmm. And he'd just try to read the lines real quick. And that's why in the Pirates of Orion, you end up with the Pirates of Orion, because somebody yeah. in the chain mispronounced it. And as you said, they didn't have it wasn't everybody in the same room. So they all just went with it. And so everybody kept saying Orion instead of Orion, which is kind of, and it's kind of funny. Yeah. And that doesn't bother me because they're all saying mm-hmm. the same thing. It bothers me when different characters are pronouncing it like mm-hmm. radically differently, like in a conversation with one another. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But if everyone's saying Orion. That's fine with me. I don't have. Mm hmm. I think they're, they're the ones they're Starfleet. They know what it's called. I don't. What, I'm <laughs> <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> I did notice that Shatner in two different episodes said sabotage and sabotage. Yes. yes. <laughs> Bronco laughs every time. That every time. Really? Every time. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, look at that. Look at that. What could he do? Yeah. Listen to what he did. Yeah. That's how he says it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What and, obviously, and obviously they, they rival and beat the original series with reusing the same music over mm. and over. Yeah. Fortunately, I truly love that one. You know, the, I do too. The, yeah, I love it. So I'm okay yeah. with it because it's used all the time. Yeah, and, and not yeah. Just, and and most animated shows at that time had mm-hmm. one set of music cues that they right. used for specific. Per, and even things like Lost in Space had mm-hmm. a, a a fairly small library. They didn't have that many episodes that were specifically scored. Lost in Space had, a, you know, a batch yeah. in the first season. And then they had music cues that they just used for specific purposes in pretty much every episode. Yeah, right. And it was just a, it's just a way to, that production was done at the time. Yeah. yeah. But and the shows weren't designed for you to watch six in a row on Paramount. No, <laughs> it's, it's not a binge <laughs> environment. Right. right. And that, that's really <laughs> the only time that the repetitive music starts to wear on me is when I'm watching several of them in a row. Because if I just watch one, it doesn't bother me at all. And even those mm-hmm. same m- music cues, like Filmation had them in their library and they'd be on like Space Academy and mm-hmm. things like that would have, Jason of Star Command would have like the same music as the animated series. Um, uh, one thing, you know, we've talked about, uh, we've done an, an episode before about the animated series and we've talked about certain episodes here and there. One right. thing I don't think we've ever really talked about though is the, the theme tune, mm. which is very Star Trek esque. It makes you yeah. think that you're listening to the original series score, but they clearly couldn't get the rights to it or something. So they have a score that sounds very much like it. I think it's great. Yeah. I personally enjoy it equally as much as I do the original series score uh, theme. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like Star Trek, but they put a 70s like. It's kind of love Bodie twist to it. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying. You, just, you can't see it unless you're watching the YouTube video. But right. I was twisting my hands. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I would guess. I don't know if I had the information, but I would guess it costs more to license, you know, and have to pay Alexander Courage than just to have their guy yeah. do a new, more a new one that's kind of a similar version. Yeah. Yeah. And Rod it's, it's different enough. <laughs> Ron Brady, yeah. right, Lewis? So this one too. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh, if you look at the background crew you had dc fontana write some of these episodes and, and you can tell mm-hmm. you can, the, the quality shows really good i think the only thing i think veronica kind of mentioned it the only thing that didn't work for me in the main was callback episodes like 
They're not bad, but like more troubles, more trouble, muds, passion, some of those. They they just didn't recreate the magic for me. I mean, and it weren't they weren't bad. They just didn't do a lot for me. Right. Um, I do think the one thing that stood out for me more than anything else that just didn't work was the insertion of humor at the end of most of the episodes. Mm, uh, yeah. The music especially was horrible, but <laughs> yeah, it's bad enough. I think in the original series, you'll have a whole episode deal with Nazis or something, and then they laugh at the end, or um, the episode where Kirk's brother <laughs> dies, and they're laughing at the end. But somehow right. when it's only 22 minutes long, the joke at the end, like, oh my God, that feels forced. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and the music is really, it's like, dit, dit, dit. it's really, I don't know, slapstick and zany and just so, yeah. and sometimes the characters literally looked at the camera and winked when they were telling their little jokes. <laughs> <at> the <end. laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, they're still playing to that Saturday morning audience though. Yeah. yeah. yeah I guess, I guess right. that's about the only thing they're doing. They've <laughs> just spent, morning. they've just spent 21 minutes with very high concept storytelling. Yeah. You got to have one minute of just being a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't have all the kids like upset at the end of the episode. <laughs> right. Hi, Chaya. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, though. That's like the one that everyone goes back to. Is yeah, the, uh, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, because yeah, you, you know that kid's voice. That that voice is so recognizable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some. I love that. So it's got some great sound effects. And the dude that's doing I Chaya that that. It's so funny. And then somehow they got Godzilla's voice for the creature in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> Just right. Awesome. Yeah. But it, it's a good, well-told story, though. And it it, it yeah. takes... Yeah what they told in the original series, like Journey to Babel, for instance, and just takes it further. You get to go right. back and see Spock's childhood, which is cool. Yeah. That's a mm-hmm. good callback. Yeah. That, that episode yesteryear has a special place in my heart because my oldest brother one day brought home a book. And I didn't know what the book was. You guys know where I'm going with this. It was a novelization of the series by Alan yeah. Dean Foster. Right. And it was that book that had that episode in it and the cover is basically Spock outside of the that city of Vulcan mm-hmm. that was so cool and it captivated me. Yeah. And the novelization read so well. And I think and that's well I had another one. The other one was um the Infinite Vulcan. Okay. Um so when I see those and I've read the novelizations, it really the novelizations are really good. Those are also really good episodes as well. Yeah, that so, was my first introduction to the animated series as well, was that same hmm. book. Um, my uncle had a collection of uh, like the the James Blish and Alan Dean Foster novelizations of the of the original and the animated series, mm-hmm. and they were stored over my grandmother's house. And so I had read those, uh, just being a Star Trek fan. And then I remember the first time I saw the cartoon. I think they were replaying it on the Sci Fi Channel or something when I first saw it. And I was like, "Hey, this is mm-hmm. the same story from that book." <laughs> uh, but I, I had no idea it was a cartoon, you know. And it was just like the, that, like you said, that great cover of Spock and the city of Shikar. Yes. And um, I think that one had um, uh. Far beyond or beyond the farthest star, and um, one of our planets is missing. I think it was mm, those stories, right? Which right. are just a great collection of Star Trek stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, um, Yesteryear is not my favorite in the animated series, although I love it. But oh. Beyond the Farthest Star is yeah. up there. I just uh, the Slaver Weapon might be my favorite. Yeah, um, that's definitely in my top at least five, maybe maybe yeah. higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, Charles, you mentioned Beyond the Farthest Star. Veronica mentioned the ships, the ship in Beyond the Farthest Star. Yeah. That, there's no way they couldn't have done that back in the day. And Scott even talks about how the ship looks like it was spun instead of, you know, processed and standard metal process. And then the aliens look like they could be some kind of insects. And 
Spock even talked about the doors on the ship, reminded them of bees, cells, um, right. on Earth. Just wonderful, wonderful yeah. looking stuff on that. And that's a great start for the show because yeah. they're straight in on the science mm-hmm. fiction. Like mm-hmm. and, and now we're on, you know, this giant spaceship that looks like it was spun by space bees. Like, okay, right. we're doing real sci-fi in this thing. This is great. Right. And I yeah. don't think that um Beyond the Farthest Star has the best story. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has I don't think it's the script isn't necessarily a strength. I think that it's there to be the visual feast that it is. It is telling right. you this yeah. is Star Trek 100%, but it's also not the Star Trek that you're thinking of. This is a whole new thing with whole new environments and and it really goes out of its way to paint, literally paint a whole new look to the Star Trek universe. Right. Yeah. It introduces the life support belts. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as people give the animation and the production values a hard time, those backgrounds are gorgeous. They are amazing. Yeah. Like those are just works of art on their own. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that ship. And also, I think Alan mentioned earlier concepts in that first episode, Beyond the Father Star. They introduced things that make sense, like a defense system on the bridge, a laser in the in the yep. bridge, which was so cool. And the creature that kept going, obey me, obey me, takes over. And right. again, the novelization, Alan Dean Foster wrote, I thought it was cool. In the novelization, Alan Dean Foster writes that the smell of burning flesh, flesh started filling the bridge because the laser was penetrating the force field on Kirk's hand. Uh, yeah. Just little things like that. It's really yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's I don't a lot. That much detail. <laughs> there's a lot of that. that bridge defense system would have come in handy. Oh, yeah. no. Man, come on. <laughs> that, that, time, a lot of problems. that time when the Borg jumped in and, and made off with Picard, that yeah, episode right. would have turned out a whole lot differently if they'd had some kind of like invasion suppression system on the bridge. Right. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. It's an addition that makes sense. Right. I mean, just like seatbelts. That's what I was about to say. I'm surprised there was no (laughs) seatbelts. Although you saw them with belts in one episode. Okay. With seatbelts? No, not seatbelts. No, they had, um, gosh, it was episode. They were having trouble with their gravity. And you look and Eric's and Sulu and everybody had. Oh. They were wearing bells, harnesses. Yeah, on. harness. They they were harnessed down. That's right. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, I, that is a detail that I have missed. Wow. Yeah, they were flying around the ship. And speaking of gravity, they did something else. Charles, you mentioned this in a, recently, and this is, comes up all the time. Which is every science fiction show, no matter how good it is, seems to assume that people move in slow motion when they float. Right. Or trained <laughs> space people don't know how to man how to work in space. I right. thought it was really cool when um, when Spock and Kirk had to fight in Jihad, and he said, "Spock, when's the last time you've done your zero gravity fight training?" Which is weird because Spock said last week with you. But I thought it was cool right. that they <laughs> that they mentioned that you know they had zero g training because you would think they yes. would in real life, right? The first thing I thought of when I saw them was Battle School. Yeah, yeah, from Ender's Game. From Ender, yeah. Oh, right. But it, I mean, it, it makes sense that these guys are like trained to work in space. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we don't see the gravity go off on the ship a whole lot, but you would yeah. think they they would need to be prepared for that kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spock just did that on the most recent Strange New Worlds episode. Yeah, he had mm-hmm. to fight that Gorn. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing. Uh, 
That's uh, I think it was the show Enterprise did a little mm. something with that in the in the pilot episode because Travis Mayweather yep. said he always found that one spot in the ship where the gravity was pretty much zero, and he was used to that. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and that that's one thing you talk about callbacks to the original series that they did. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was one Gorn that you saw um, mm. in the time trap. He was on that mm-hmm. council. But yeah. they really could have done a lot yeah. more with Gorn on the animated series. That's what they yes. should have. Like, that would have, like, Gorn and Horda and things like that. I wish they would have brought back some of the, yeah. the non humanoid species from the original series to flesh out more than the Romulans or the Klingons. Yeah. You know, I'd love to have the, the Gorn had been like primary antagonist. That would have been cool. That would have been. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather see them than say bring Kor back. Although Kor was cool, but he was all right. You know, but I, I yeah. agree with you. And then one of those plant creatures from uh, Dr. Uh, um, I just actually know the name of the, the plant creatures with the infinite Vulcan. Right. One of them the was on that council. Yeah. The Philosophers. One of them was on that council as well as a Gorn and of course, and then Dorian yeah. and Orion. Orion yeah. 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 It was, it was basically every recognizable alien from the original mm-hmm. series and from the animated mm-hmm. series all mm-hmm. sat around a, a, a council chamber, but you don't get things like, I mean, how would a Horta sit in the chair anyway, but you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I like the, talking about the, the time trap. I, what I like about mm-hmm. that is they they have like that patience of people who've been there for hundreds of years. And yeah. Kirk's like, "We're going to escape," and they're like, "You'll get over it, right? <laughs> We're not that worried about it. We all been there." <laughs> right. He's Kirk. Yeah, you know he's yeah. not going to. He's never going to give up. Right. And that's cool that they had to work with the Klingons to get out of there. I thought that was that's a good episode. Mm-hmm. And speaking of callbacks, Voyager called back to that episode mm. because there's an entire episode of Voyager. Remember where the Voyager gets trapped in a void and all right. these races keep getting sucked into it. And the only way they can get out of the void is for the ships to cooperate. It right. was the exact same kind of thing. And Janeway ends up building a federation of people who cooperate mm. because before that they were attacking each other. When it, when the new ship would come in, they would attack it, kill the crew, take their supplies. So right. I'm thinking that's that's a direct callback to that episode of Time mm. Trap. Well, I think, I mean, a lot of people were fans of that who were working mm-hmm. on the 90s Trek, you know, were growing up at that time. Yeah. yeah. Just like the ones doing it now were fans of the 90s Trek. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and smart ass comments all were told. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What you gonna do, brothers and sisters, when thousands of geeky fans descend on Atlanta for five days and nights of the grandest con of them all? You can prepare by training, eating your vitamins, saying your prayers, and checking out the Dragon Con Report each and every month leading up to the show. Watch or listen and let Dragon Con Mania run wild on you! I want to ask each one of you if mm-hmm. you have somebody who has never seen the animated series before and want a sampler, what mm-hmm. episodes would you tell them? This is watch this one. This is good Star Trek. Forget that it's animated. This is just good Star Trek. What are some of the ones that you would say that you would recommend to people? Oof. Yesteryear. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Yesteryear. Uh, but then like, what do you I know your episode next? name? Are you proud of me? <laughs> When, our, uh, when Matt and Elaine Sweatman were doing their 
their watch through of the show and they were they got to yesteryear <laughs> episode two and i was like well the show's peaked <laughs> right because <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that but um, uh, i made a list i would do the magics omegas 2 because okay. of the boldness of talking about lucifer and magic okay. and Okay. And a freaking pentagram on a so-called kids cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, really. Yeah, the survivor because that another shape-shifting race I'd like to see. The infinite Vulcan because I love the concept of that that race that was trying to take over the galaxy. And and for the seventies, I remember being a kid and them talking about cloning. That was a new thing. That was a good one. Um, the amber amber. Ambergris incident because I love seeing anything that deals with underwater and I love that that had a really kind of good lesson it was I wrote that was a generation gap kind of story better handled than um um gosh and the children not children of the lead um the way to Eden and the slaver weapon I would put down there as Mm -hmm. well Mm-hmm. Those are all good ones. The slaver weapon and the ambergris element were the ones I was thinking of Mm -hmm. um because they take they make really good use of um the format I mean, yes, you've got yeah. Kirk and Spock transformed into water breathers and going to an underwater city. It's like yes. a Star Trek story, but on a scale that you could never have done in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then the slaver weapon is just a, it's just solid sci-fi. It's just a yeah. solid sci-fi adventure. That you know, it's it it's a, it's small in scale. You're on a planet, and you've got the Kazenti, right. like a few Kazenti and a spaceship, and three of our our of our Starfleet crew. Right. But they just keep throwing out these like deep sci-fi ideas dealing with like this ancient civilization and this weird weapon mm-hmm. and the weapon mm-hmm. sentient and someone's found it after all these years. And uh, it's just, it's just a cool, well-told story. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. And so again, mature for Saturday morning. Cause when the whole thing, when um, I love also, they gave Sulu so much to do because Spock, remember Spock yielded to Sulu's yep. analysis situation. Cause he said, basically think about it. You're basically an intelligent spy computer. You've waken up after who knows how long, and there was a war when you were put to sleep, and somebody doesn't know your code words. What would you think? And, yep. and then that was when it went boom. Right. <laughs> yeah. Love that episode. What were yours, Alan? Well, Slaver Weapon would be definite. Yeah, I think yeah. Ambergris Element as well, for all the reasons mm-hmm. that you say. I, mm-hmm. I love the fact that they're able to go places and do things that you couldn't have done in a studio-bound live action television series. Um, I would definitely, I think I would definitely include BIM. Okay. I think that's a really, a really clever story and a really interesting alien, possibly counterclock incident. Okay. And obviously yesteryear, I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to say that one because that's a, that's (laughs) such an obvious one. Um, And maybe infinite Vulcan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good. One. I I really like the the Terratin incident as well, when they all shrink. Oh yes. yeah, I really like that. That one. that's fun. Just the fact that they're shrinking is fun, and it's not a, like a super complex thing. It's just that they're just getting mm-hmm. smaller and smaller. And I like like they're trying to beam them down, and Scotty's guys have like ropes on the little thing you pull down to transport. And he's like, "All right, lads, heed!" Or, yeah. like, all right, lads, heave. <laughs> I said that backwards. And so they're all like, you know, pulling the rope to to beam them down. That's just cool. The one thing I'm gonna I, I was gonna mention to the sweatmans I was gonna post without spoilers was there's one line in there that just tore me up is when Christine fell into the tank she sounded like olive oil she kept going help help yeah help help, right. help, help. what in the heck was the Terrigen incident the one where they did something awesome where Kirk's had them set the transporter for auto retrieval after ten minutes was that the episode 
I don't know. I think it was auto retrieval. I think so. There was I, one I, that we watched recently. Yeah, I think I think that is the one. And that I was another like six really of them yesterday. Yeah, that was another really cool concept. He literally. Oh yeah, I think it was because everybody was shrinking, and they said when they hit like a centimeter, they couldn't operate the controls. Right. They're so gonna be Kirk too small. said. And so Kirk said, set the transporter to keep a lock on him and set for automatic 10 minute retrieval. And I thought, what a cool concept. Yeah. When you have a ship full of, you know, super intelligent computers. And so it brought him back. And then, of course, he realized that, you know, you copy and paste into this planet and he was back to his normal size. Um, It is a little weird with the territories, the dudes like Scotty, dudes like, we couldn't figure out how to contact you. So we shrank you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Kirk's like, you almost killed us. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Your shrinkway way works, but your radio doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a fun episode, though. Yeah, it is. It absolutely yeah. is. How about you, Veronica? Recommends? Um, I like I liked yesteryear. Yeah. What about mm-hmm. from the batch we just watched? Which ones jumped out at you? Um, the one where they turned into fish and the one where they shrink. Yeah. Those are <laughs> both good. Am- Ambergris and Territon. Sure. Yeah. I, look, I need one episode name. I'm doing good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Where um, it probably doesn't apply to Veronica as much, but there any of y'all looked at that surprised you? Maybe because you just hadn't watched it in a long time, or it was better than you remember? Um, I had the opposite. I was uh, the Pirates of Orion. Uh, is worse, right? Than I remember. I remember <laughs> yes. the Same fight here. on the asteroid is the thing that I remember from when I was a kid. That's uh, a long road to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the asteroid is not as long as I remember it being. <laughs> hmm. How about you, Alan? One that I was surprised by? Yeah, or one that was better than you thought? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that. How for you, me, all of them. Yeah. I'll say that. All of them. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. For me, it is absolutely, it's too. Also, I haven't seen these in a long time. Um, I had Jihad and How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth both impressed mm-hmm. me. Um, How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth is also visually lush in keeping yeah. with you know, Mesoamerican culture and Mexican yeah. art and so forth. It's just beautiful. When the ship first shows up, it looks wild. But when the ship turns into Kuklakan in space, that's beautiful. And then the colors of all the different the artifacts. And then they then little things when they were talking about the pyramid that appears and they were talking about, you know, this looks like Egyptian. And then walking bear and some walking bear says, yeah, but look, that's not Egyptian hieroglyphics. Of course, of course, you've got, you know, you've got the pyramids in this part of the world and the pyramids in Egypt. You look up close and there's pictures of Kukla Khan there. Um, I thought that was really good. Now, the story was, you know, another ancient gods race that basically taught us something and now it's pissed off and battling that we're savage and got to worship them. <laughs> you know, that's kind of old school, but it's a really cool episode. Other than that, it, it surprised me. And like you guys are saying, Jihad, I have not seen Jihad since 1973. Wow. Okay. And, yeah. I honestly haven't seen it since 73. And that one really impressed me. Yeah. Because the, the potential. But it ended it's like, oh my gosh, I want more. I want more. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's a fun adventure. There's no like scenes that drag. You just the, yeah. they, it, it's just it's just great. They, you know, their little 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 dune buggy thing gets caught and the the is <laughs> going off and they gotta figure it out. And now I, I like little yeah, EM3 green and he's having to like Spock's telling him how to rewire the thing because he can do it fast enough, but Spock's smart enough to know how to do it. And yeah. so they're like working together. I just love all that. 
Yeah. Yeah, they made it work and everybody had a skill, including the lady who kept trying to get with Kirk. She was the she was the guide who could never get lost. I thought it was funky because the lady, I forget the race, the the Davila race or whatever, she looked like a female Kazenti, which she couldn't be. And she wasn't because they call her a different right. race. But the lady who sent them, she looked like a female Kazenti. Right. And I thought it was weird. Yeah, exactly. Also, <laughs> did you notice she was talking this really soft feminine voice, but every time she did orders to the computer, she roared. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah, it just makes it seem a little alien. Yeah. 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 And I don't mind there being several sort of filanoid. I guess the Kazenti are more sort of bat like, uh, but without the wings. But, um, I don't mind there being several species mm-hmm. that kind of look like that. The 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 Cations are that way mm-hmm. as well. Which that's another thing we hadn't mentioned is just the alien members of the Enterprise crew. Oh yeah. On the original series, it was just Spock and a bunch right. of humans. Yeah, I, I'm a big, big, big fan of Eric's, mm. and wish that they had featured him more. And I sure. want to see. And you know, uh, one of the Edoans has been on Lower Deck. Yeah, yeah, lower decks, but Two. I want to see a real, even if it's CGI, I want to see one in a live action show. Right. I want to see one in action. I want to see one either steering a ship or or whatever. I don't care. But man, I want to see an Eric's or one of his species on one of these shows. Yeah, yeah me too. And I'm, on lower decks, I'd, I'd like to see Eric's. We've had a couple of his species, but I'd like yeah. to see like as an admiral or a retired admiral or, or something. Find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a return to that character. Mm-hmm. Something else I think they did well, uh, well, when they did it, uh, you know, I said some of the callbacks didn't work like Cyrano Jones and so forth. They just didn't work right. for me. They were yeah, agreed. I like things like uh, one of our planets is missing where you had Commodore mm-hmm. Wesley, the guy from the uh, M5 ultimate, the ultimate, the ultimate computer. computer. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's the, he's the governor of a planet. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and there's and, and there's no reason for it to be him. It's right. just kind of cool that it is. Exactly. You know, just that he's now retired and he's the governor of a planet. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. that worked really well. And then of course you had Spock do yet another mind mail with another alien being, which I thought was was mm-hmm. that was cool, interesting. I, I like it because he's like doing this number. You know, like he's, <laughs> yes. he's so big. You know, it makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> Those who couldn't see, Chuck was raising his arms up over his head. Yeah. Well, they've probably seen the episode. They know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you got to be descriptive. This is a podcast. That's true. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, there's just cool episode after cool episode. Like, they don't all hold up. Like, the parts of Orion, I felt really drug. And it wasn't as cool. Like, the only part of it I ever remember is him fighting that Orion Orion guy. Um, And then the Orions aren't even green. They're kind of blue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we also get a gray Andorian. True. That's true. You know. Yeah, but what you gonna do with a with a with a with a filmation uh, with an animation company that can't even make the whites of people's eyes the right color? <laughs> yeah. They can do teeth, but they can't do eyes. Yeah, right. those yeah, teeth smiles are really creepy. <laughs> it was like Spock smile on on Strange New World. I was like, oh, what are they doing? Even when it was Kirk, I was like, oh. Yeah, they have got a weird looking smile. It, Charles on the Orion Pirates. All right, that's probably one of the few episodes I didn't really care for. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't right. care for it. And one of the things that's hilarious in the episode, I was chuckling, is McCoy talks about that that fever that swept the ship, and he's like, "Yeah, it's pretty much not that big of a deal." And then Spock falls over. He's like, "Oh yeah, it's really deadly to people with green blood. Spock's probably gonna die." I'm like, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
what point yeah, for time, most of us, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. At what point in time did you not say, hey, Mr. Spock, I'm worried about you because you might die? It was just the wildest thing. But I would that give was one credit. of the ones I struggled with. Yeah. Yeah, it was a slow. I would only give them credit in the Pirates of Orion is they did hail back to Journal of the Babel because they said that ship was prepared for suicide mission because they were continuing right. to try to pretend that they were neutral. You know, and um, they were going to blow themselves up. That was the only thing that was kind of cool. Other than that, yes, yeah, forgettable. Episode. Well, speaking of fevers, mm-hmm. one thing that we haven't mentioned, um, and it's a good McCoy episode, is Albatross from season two, where the the dream dreamians right right are infected by the the stoplight plague, right. Yeah, the the aurora, right? Yeah, where they where they turn different primary colors. <laughs> yeah, right, that's how you can tell how far along the dreamians were. Yeah. That's a cool planet, cool aliens, though. Absolutely, yeah, definitely cool. And they have a really weird culture because they start out in the episode. We would like to give Doctor McCoy this award. Now, Doctor McCoy, you're under arrest and charged with basically genocide. What kind of right. culture is that? Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, well, watching these episodes this week, it was something that it reminded me of that we don't see a lot of on Star Trek anymore is just that feeling of just the starship out there on yeah. their own. Yeah. There's yeah. no help. There's no base. There's no other starships. There's no right. real time talking. You're just out there, and here's the situation, and you deal with it, and you don't have mm-hmm. anyone else. And that's something mm-hmm. that I don't think we get as much of at, on Star Trek now. It seems yeah. like they're always in communication, or there's another starship there, or a star base, or Let's right. live hollow vid with command, <laughs> you know, in real time. Um, but I remember like the original series was that way, where it's like we got to send a message back to base. They won't get it for a week. So let's figure out how to stay alive until then to find out what yeah. our orders are. Right. Um, right. But I, I love I, that's something about Star Trek I like that they're way out on the frontier and it's just the starship and it's just the endless sea of space around them and they have an adventure. I agree. I agree. Yeah. That was one of the things that drove me bananas about Next Generation is that they were supposed to be out exploring new parts of the galaxy, but they kept running into Klingons and Romulans and going back to Earth and all this kind of nonsense. And it's like, are you ever going to get out to the part you haven't seen before? Right, right. And when you do run into another Starfleet ship, it's kind of a big deal. Like, oh, my God, it's a ship like ours. And so what happened to them? Yeah. You know, right. that that kind of thing. I, 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 just, I really like that vibe, you know, something that mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't thought about much that I missed that until I was watching several episodes in a row. And I was like, man, I kind of missed that. Yeah. Same here. Cause <laughs> one of the episodes over even told Kirk that a subspace message is going to take a long time to get back to Starfleet. And it was one of those, well, basically yeah. they're just going to find out what I did. It's kind of like you in the original series, Charles, for what you're saying. Um, um, balance of terror. That's one right. of the most ironic at the end of the show where whoever comes with the Kirk and says, Oh yeah, we got the mess from Starfleet. They'll support what you're going to do, what you've done. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. No. Yeah. All that. Uh, Alan mentioned technology and earlier, Alan, you mentioned technology and stuff. And I think it's fascinating because the holodeck was actually introduced or something that we could call a holodeck was introduced in this series. Mm-hmm. It's in the forgettable episode, the classical Joker. Where the Enterprise goes nuts and starts playing jokes on Kirk. The like, practical you know, Joker. The practical, yeah, the practical yeah. Joker. And the, you know, the Kirk is a jerk shirt and all that kind of right. weird stuff. But they have that, what did they call it? Did they call it the training? Not the training room. It was room. just like a rec room. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, it was a holiday. Like Right. It's basically a holodeck. All these weird environments. They didn't really do much with it aside from, mm-hmm. oh, no, now we're trapped in the snow. Oh, no, now we're trapped in the heat. <laughs> but I... 
It's like they didn't take advantage of the potential. I guess you don't need the holodeck on an, an animated show because you can just go to whatever weird planet you want. But right. they didn't do a whole lot with that concept. They sort of introduced it in that one episode. Yeah, but that was a cool concept. And then, of course, the force field belts were introduced, which was another yeah. cool concept. And then they there was some interesting alien tech. Um, I loved the episode. I think it was well, the, it was the one with the um, the Klingons had the new weapon that could freeze the ship. Although it froze the ship emitting the weapon. I thought that was pretty slick. The one where I think Elaine said the, the beam looked like a slinky. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's an awesome concept of a beam to immobilize a ship. And it was used kind of sort of in Deep Space Nine because the Breen had a weapon mm. that could kind of immobilize a ship. Not quite the same, but it reminded me of that. Right. So that was yeah. an interesting technology they introduced in the mm-hmm. in the new series. They kept moving it forward. Yeah. And there was a lot of like dinosaurs and dragons on planets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> half the planets you beam down to, there's a yeah. <laughs> being well, and those 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 dragon bird creatures on um, the Infinite Vulcan planet, they showed up on like three different planets in the series, and they all like and they all had the same voice. Right. And I think I, I wrote down that all creatures on the show have three voices. They have a high pitched screech, they have a deep roar, or they sound like Godzilla. And that yep. pretty much covered every one of them. Yeah, yeah. it's whatever sound effects uh, bank that you can get access yeah. to. And then you borrow whatever you want from it and you just keep using it. Yeah. That yeah. was the only thing about the um, um, Serpent's Tooth episode is that you mm-hmm. just kept hearing that sound effect. Right. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Yeah, I I do like that they're you, you have a more variety of like weird alien creatures on these planets though. I'll, yep. You know, even though it, it does get a bit like, oh no, a dragon again. <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I mean, I suppose the original series where you have the Mugatu is the first thing that springs to my mind of an animal on a planet that's attacking people. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. here you you've got something at least with a bigger scale. Absolutely. Yeah. And I had the Beholder and. Um... In the serpent's tooth, there were a lot of goofy aliens. Like there was one alien in the cage, a Kuklakan that had three eyes, and one of them kept rolling around in his head. It was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of funny. But they did have some interesting creatures, and they had some interesting uh, spaceships. And, and like and Veronica said earlier too, throughout the yep. series, so I love the variety they were able to introduce here because they couldn't have done it back then. And sometimes they don't do it that well now because it takes too much, right. costs too much money to do the good CGI or costumes. Yeah. And I know that, um, I mean, they're, we haven't really talked about it on the show yet in our news segments or anything, but they're doing these little series of homages to the, to the, for the anniversary of the animated series where they're putting like 90s and modern Trek characters in that style. Mm. So there's going to be one with Riker. There's going to be one with um, Quark. There's going to be one. I think Neelix is in one. Uh, Saru is in one. You haven't heard about this, Alan? You look very no, surprised. No. Yeah, they're doing a series yeah. of shorts in the animated series style. Um, and... It's it's going to be like you know modern you know the the current Star Trek characters and ninety Star Trek characters, um, as you know for the for the anniversary. It's part of their celebration of the animation of Star Trek. I, oh my gosh! Yeah, I've not heard about this. This surprise, is, right? <laughs> Holy that, cow! That, those are supposed to be out, I think, um, right around the anniversary. So about a week mm-hmm. after it comes out. Um, so I'm, and I I also think they're they're going to be playing the the premiere of Lower Decks in theaters on September eighth. They've said. For Star Trek wow. Day, still yeah. no information on it. No information yet, but I think it's going to have it's going to be packaged with this other animation stuff, like a like a celebration of the animation of Star Trek, 
on that's Star cool. Trek Day, September 8th. So, Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, we're going to try to, hopefully it'll be a real, like you just buy a ticket and go and not some kind of a weird ticket giveaway where <laughs> yeah. a weird website. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But I'm excited to see, you know, they, um, you know, we, we talked to the folks who did, um, they've done their own version of like the unification and not unification, but uh, best of both worlds and threshold and things like that. They did, you know, sort of animated series style adaptations of some of the scenes from uh, some of the nineties Trek shows. Yep. And mm -hmm. we had a great talk with him about that. So it's, it's cool to see Paramount uh, uh, embracing that. I wish they would have hired mm -hmm. his company to do it. Yeah. yeah that would have been amazing. Right. But I, I like that. They, I mean, I'm, I'm, they had to have seen that those went viral and got like a million views and thought, yeah. Oh, people like this animated Star Trek thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's fun that they're celebrating that animation for a long time. The animated series was like the dark horse of Star Trek. It was like the stepchild. Yeah. yeah. No one was ever sure if it was Canon or not, or Gene Roddenberry would say it's not. And that's exactly. Sort of so I love that. They're just embracing all that. We're getting more animated stuff now. Right. Yeah. Well, as we said, there's so many episodes in the animated series that I would love to see revisited. I would love to see live action. Mm. Uh, there's so many. I would, obviously, I'd love to see the Kazinti again. Um, I think that would be a good one. Like we, we all said Jihad would be a good one. It, it could, there's right. so much potential there with those different races. There's so many episodes. I just sat there and went. But it ended, I thought, man, that was too quick. And I'd love to see another treatment of that. I wouldn't mind if someone took the idea behind the Jihad and did a show based on that, where it's like a couple yeah. of Starfleet officers mm -hmm. on a mm -hmm. quest with a bunch of aliens. Like, like let's say, like Lord of the Rings style, where there's on this quest to do whatever mm -hmm. and having to work together. I would watch mm -hmm. that show like crazy. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah, do and it. And also that race, the race of the lady who I said looked like a female Kazenti, that was interesting because everybody basically listened to what she said. And at one point somebody said, maybe she could have made a mistake. And Kirk said, that's impossible for her species. So right. that's, a, that's, that's a very odd species. I'm not sure who they are, but very powerful, obviously very technologically advanced and very much trusted by everybody. Yeah. They packed a lot in that like 24 minutes or however long that episode is like yeah. as far as just the world building and story, mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Well, any closing thoughts about the animated series before we wrap this thing up? If you've never seen it, go watch it. Yeah, watch it's, it with an open mind. And and it's not going to take a lot of time. It's only <laughs> 22 episodes. They're all 24-ish minutes. Go watch it. It is yeah. so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Especially now that we have like a, a year and a, or two wait for, you know, <laughs> for new Star Trek. We're going to have a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. How about yeah, you, I, anything? Yeah, I agree with Alan. I think that, um, and I see this so much online, so many people worry too much about how your know, production value and how something looks. Star Trek su succeeded as a science fiction show not because of the special effects and the makeup, but because of the acting and the subject matter. And this has it all. This is a Star Trek show. It was not a badly written science fiction cartoon. It's a Star yeah. Trek show. You should watch right. it. Yeah. All right, Alan, where can people find more of you? Well, go look for my other podcast, which is Modern Musicology. We have got a great series of episodes coming up. One about the 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon. We've just done two examining all the music that came out in the year 1988. And we've got some other stuff, too. So go check that out. I also have a Doctor Who podcast called Doctor Who A to Z. 
But how about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram and X and Facebook, <laughs> primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. Still can't get used to that. You say it with such disdain. And how about you, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. Oh, I thought you were going to do your thing. Oh, how about me? Yeah. Sorry, I got, I'm, my, my brain's on default. <laughs> um, so I have a double woman page on Facebook. Um, it's mostly our adult puppetry content, but kind of any, uh, nerdy performance stuff that I'm doing is on there. Um, I've also started a TikTok, Daba Woman 8, um, talking about Star Trek, got some cute videos of my dog, sometimes in Star Trek uniforms, <laughs> <laughs> and some generic like TikTok, who's your Star Trek TNG lover type stuff. <laughs> and how about for both of us? Feltnerdy.com. And if you're at Dragon Con, look us up in the app because we're all over the place at Dragon Yes. Con. I don't know if you can find us under Felt Nerdy, but uh, Charles Kelso, Veronica mm-hmm. Dashel. Yeah, I think Felt Nerdy is in all the names of the things that we're yes. presenting. So searching for Felt Nerdy should get you there, too. Um, and where else? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. That's right. And do you have a closing for us this week? Oh, wow. <laughs> Fail. Yep. All right. Thank you for listening or watching. <laughs> Join us live next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, um, which we'll be, uh, we'll be having a great time talking more about Star Trek. And it'll be almost lo- it'll be Lower Decks time next week. Yeah. So we'll be talking That's about right. Lower Decks. Ooh, I can't yeah. wait. I'm so excited. I know. <sighs> all right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks, all. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.